0: So let me see if I've got this right. The Rangers are having this stupendously successful playoff while the local team was a pathetic failure and needs to blow everything up. Based on... Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way Bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. I'm not going to pile up excuses here. It's not what I'm here to do. I'm not here to suggest that there are moral victories in team sports because there are not. Heck, I'm not even in favor of silver medals and bronze medals at Olympics much less participation awards. But there's a different way that you assess things when you're planning for your franchise's future. And you have to adopt that way regardless of winning and losing. In other words, let's say that your team really isn't all that good, but it makes it to the Stanley Cup final. Oh, for example, Montreal from a couple of years ago. Anyone who was remotely sane, look at those Habs and say, Oh, here they come, man. They're loaded. They're going to be great for a long time. Nobody. Everyone saw exactly what that was. Carey Price was Carey Price. Shea Weber was playing the best hockey of his life. A couple other guys had risen above, and that was it. The team was not deep. The team did not have any particular defining characteristic that carried it from round to round to round other than the ones I just mentioned. So if you're Mark Bergevin, at least back when Bergevin was in charge, and you react the following offseason after that run, As if, yeah, we're like right there. We're on the cusp. You're going to make some massive errors in judgment. What you need to do is define what kind of team you actually have based on an array of indicators, not just wins and losses. So now that I've said that, and I know for a fact I'm still going to get reactions like, what are you talking about? A loss is a loss is a loss. Those of you who understood what I was just attempting to explain here will get this and why I'm saying it. The Penguins were one crappy goal away from eliminating the Rangers in five games, with a journeyman AHL goaltender in net for almost all of that. And throughout that series, All of the possession metrics, all of the shot metrics, all of the defending metrics, anything that involved skaters, meaning not goaltenders, the Penguins outperformed, in some cases, dominated New York in six of those seven games. And after that, and this is just as important, the Rangers legitimately outplayed the Hurricanes, not in every game, not in every period. But overall, for the series, the Rangers earned their victory over Carolina. And although it was just one game so far in the Eastern Conference Final, and the Lightning were idle for a week and rusty, and I'm sure they're going to be a lot better in Game 2 tomorrow, Game 1 went to New York, and decisively so. You following me here? This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across Western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 can be turned into five full meals. For those in need, visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. I'm not saying the penguins are better than the rangers. I'm not saying the penguins are better than the lightning. If you look at small sample sizes and attempt to extrapolate them, to throw a baseball thing at you, you would now be convinced that the Pirates are the best team in Major League Baseball since they just swept the actual best team in Major League Baseball in their stadium in three games in Los Angeles this week, which of course would be ludicrous. However, however, over the course of an entire regular season and the playoffs, Penguins had shown themselves to be on par with any team in the Eastern Conference. I don't think I'm stretching any kind of boundaries in saying that. I don't believe that they're competitive with the Colorado Avalanche. I don't believe that anyone is ultimately going to be competitive with the Colorado Avalanche. But the name of the game in hockey is to get to the Stanley Cup final and then Do your best in a best of seven. And there's no way you could look at this side of the bracket, meaning the East, and say to yourself that the Penguins aren't one of the very best teams in the East. Still with me here? Are you ready to start finger wagging over? But no, they're not because they lost in Game 7 in overtime and something Brock McGinn and whatever. Game 7 overtime is just luck. I mean, it's just luck. It's who gets the first chance and who finishes it. New York got the first chance and Artemi Panarin finished it. The end. That's not something that you put into your overall analysis of the organization. All that does is sting. And of course, keeps you from playing further and maybe proving more of what I'm saying. So for everyone who's saying Look at what they did. They were out in the first round again. It's time to do this or do that. And people speak of these things as if they're symbolism. Well, it's time to blow up the core. It's just been too long. It feels like it's time. The hell does that mean? For, like, superficial purposes? To have a different feel or a different vibe? Do you think that a different feel or a different vibe is what caused Panarin's shot to go in? real here. Be, you know, ice cold. Be mathematical. Be analytical. Look at what's actually on the ice and how far it got with Louis bleeping Domingue in net against the guy that's going to be the unanimous selection for the Vezina Trophy. Look at what happened to Igor Shosturkin as soon as he started facing other teams. The Penguins were getting him yanked every other night. Now, all of a sudden, he's got the one-point-something goals against, the 950-something save percentage. Why? You tell me. You tell me. If you're Ron Hextall, and if you're Brian Burke, and if you're the people representing the Fenway Sports Group, and you overreact to one goal in a Game 7 overtime, then you are derelict in duty simple as that and i would say the same thing in the other direction meaning using that montreal example again if the penguins stunk and somehow made it all the way through to the stanley cup final you'd be equally derelict in duty in overestimating the importance of outcomes when we come back just one question Today's J1Q comes from Tom, who asks DK, couldn't Anthony Heinen be the third wheel on the third line with Teddy Bluger and Brock McGinn? He definitely brings different skills and talents than Zach aston reese but having a double-digit scorer on the third line should help, correct? For anyone who missed yesterday's show, the reference here is to my having brought up whatever it was that happened to Teddy Bluger in the second half of this past season, notably, and probably not coincidentally, after his jaw was broken. Missing Aston Reese was part of it. Missing Brandon Tanev was part of it. Not having a line that was, as Mike Sullivan himself once described it, a sum that was greater than its parts, you do have to find something else there. Now, can Heinen be that guy? Heinen is defensively conscientious, if not necessarily spectacular. Heinen also had, to your point about adding offense, 15 even strength goals this past season. Did you know that? I mean, that's like a really high total for anyone in the NHL. Did get onto power play two. But power play too, you saw it, would come on for the last 30, 35 seconds of the extra man. So when he would do his damage, he would do it at even strength. And yes, it's a thought. You do want to make sure, as we talked about all season long, that you have secondary scoring. But what I was talking about yesterday wasn't so much find a winger for Teddy as it was find a line that can make a difference, that can shift momentum, that can bury the other team's top line in their zone while you are simultaneously creating potential offense for yourself. That was the beauty of Bluger, Aston Reese, and Tanev. And then for the first part of this past season, Bluger, Aston Reese, and McGinn. They did a lot of things well off of each other. And it made a significant difference to the whole feel of Pittsburgh's line rotation. When there isn't any such line, your bottom six feels like it's just basically killing time until the Sid line comes back out. Or on those occasions when Geno's got good wingers, when the Geno line comes out. But when they're on, when Teddy has... Wingers who can make an impact on the game, or that the line as a whole makes that impact, everything changes. So could it be Heinen? Yeah, I guess, but that's really not what I'm after here. Now, that said, if you're asking if the Penguins should try to keep Heinen, the answer to that is yes, but I don't know that you're going to get him for 1.1 million again. That was a really, really smart deal by Hextall. Contrary to what one wag had been complaining about around this time last year when Heinen was signed, he shall remain unnamed. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We'll do another one on Monday.